And I hope that's what you want tonight, to follow God with all your heart. That's the best journey for a born-again man or woman. I'm suggesting to you that there are incredible things that have happened by faith. When a man or woman reaches out and pushes the button of faith, Stand with me. We're going to read two verses from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. If you would turn there now, Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll be reading verses 1 and 2 and have a word of prayer, and then you may take your seats. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Would you read that with me, please, now? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Our Heavenly Father, help us tonight to grow in our faith toward you. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. We do ask, Father, for all those here this evening and all those watching online, that you would render a great blessing as we study your word together. Thank you for our good season of prayer and song. Lord, we do praise you. Now, Lord, have thine own way, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want to speak with you this evening on the subject of push the button of faith. Push the button of faith. Now, do you, gentlemen in the sound booth, do you have that? Put that up, would you, that first picture? There we are. Okay. Now, did you know that there are some people in the world that when they see something like this, they have a strong desire to push those buttons and turn those knobs and flip those switches. Do you ever have a, a desire, an urging to uh, push a button? You see a switch or something and you wonder what it's there for. And you ever sort of thought of reaching out and flipping that switch? Because some people do. Some people have that great urge, that desire when they see a, a button or a knob or something. And they think, well, what would happen? If I were to turn this, what would happen if I were to push that button? You know, one of the worst things is if someone were to tell you, now, whatever you do, don't push this button. And you hear that and you think, well, <laughs> what's going to happen? I want to push the button. Tell me what's going to happen. I saw a little um, video clip of a lady. She was uh, in the actress business. I don't know if she got many parts, but she was invited to the home of this um, uh, famous actor, the guy who does the Mission Impossible stuff. What's his name? Cruise, Tom Cruise, yeah. And uh, he's a famous actor. And so she, along with 100 other, 200 other people, were there at his home for some big shenanigan party or something like that. And she was in the living room and she was at the fireplace and her hand happened to touch a little switch. And she thought, oh, what's this? And so she flicked the switch and nothing happened. And she thought, huh. And so um, there was Tom Cruise and she said to him, Tom, um, you, there's a little switch here on your mantelpiece. And he got this face. He says, you didn't, you didn't touch it, did you? She said, yes. So the police all show up. It was a, one of these silent alarm switches. So um, that's what happened. That's what happened to her. Put up that, that other picture, would you? Here's another one here. Have you ever seen one of these on the wall? And 
Have you ever had a desire to pull that? Have you ever? Because some of us do, you know, we see those things and boy, I wonder what it would sound like. What would happen, you know? Um, I have a friend um, many years ago, he was in Toronto and he was with his wife and they were in an apartment building and they were standing in the hallway talking to the people they were visiting and he was looking at one of those switches. It was right there. And so he reached out and he pulled it. He actually did this. And of course the alarms went and the fire and the police came and he got in trouble. But uh, he said to his wife, well, I just wanted to see what would happen. You know, there are sometimes there are switches that we shouldn't flip and knobs we shouldn't turn and buttons we shouldn't push. But sometimes there are things that uh, maybe we should. Um, as I study history, I find that some of the great inventions were discovered just by people saying, now what would happen if we did this or did that? Or some little accident or a flip of a switch, something like that. Sometimes some of the great inventions were discovered this way. Uh, back in the late 1800s, the potato chip was invented by a cook in a restaurant. His name was George Crum, C-R-U-M. And he was trying to silence a persnickety customer who kept sending the French fries back, claiming they were too soggy. And so in his frustration, he ended up inventing the potato chip. In 1905, popsicles were invented when Frank Epperson left a drink outside in the cold overnight. In 1886, down in Atlanta, um, in the States, a pharmacist named John Pemberton was trying to make a cure for headaches when he mixed together a concoction of ingredients and he came up with the, one of the world's most famous drinks called Coca-Cola. In 1956, the pacemaker... Uh, the pacemaker was invented because an American engineer named Wilson Great Botch or Batch, Great Batch, I guess. He reached into a box and he pulled out the wrong thing. He was a, an inventor. Uh, he had been trying to work on a circuit to, to record a fast heart sound. That's what he was working on. And so he reached into his box of resistors and... He was uh, trying to, uh, to pull out a, a one mega ohm resistor, but instead he pulled out a 10,000 ohm one instead and stuck it in. And the circuit pulsed for 1.8 milliseconds and then stopped for one second and then repeated. And it was the perfect, it was the sound of a perfect heartbeat. And that's how he invented the pacemaker, just by accident. In 1928, penicillin was invented when Alexander Fleming didn't clean up his workstation before going on vacation one day. And when he came back, Fleming noticed that there was a strange fungus on some of his cultures. But even stranger still was that the bacteria did not seem to thrive near those cultures. And that's what led him to discover penicillin. And so uh, down through the years, Great things, some great things anyhow, were discovered completely by accident. But at the same time, some great things happened by faith. That's what I want to talk with you about tonight, is faith. 
I call this the button of faith, pushing the button of faith. Now, I'll give you an example, and that's here in our own church. Our church started back 22 years ago um, in 1999, and we got started in the Bear Creek uh, Park Pavilion down the road here at uh, King George and um, 88. Um, and we were there for a couple of years. We had 1,200 square feet that we were meeting in. But what would happen? What would have happened had we not gone there? We had started in the living room of our home. You know this corny story. I've told it to you before, but it's absolutely true. We started in our living room, and a cardboard box was my first pulpit. And that's how we began, but we knew we couldn't stay there. And so by faith, we moved out and we moved into the Bear Creek. Now, what would have happened to Grace Baptist Church had we just stayed in our living room? What would have happened? But we, by faith, we moved out and we moved into the Bear Creek Park Pavilion. And we were there for two years and we saw people come to know the Lord and our church grew and we started taking on missionaries. But we started getting kind of full. And so we had to do something. So we pushed the button of faith once again. And we moved out down to 9061 King George. Now, it's no longer there. It used to be a, a little uh, 2,000 square foot kind of building. And we rented that for six years. And we grew and we saw people come to know the Lord. And we took on more missionaries. And we kind of got too full in there. And so we had to push the button of faith again. And then we moved across the street over here to unit number 18, right here on the corner. And we were there for four years and we grew and we saw people saved and we started really taking on a lot more missionaries. But you see, what would have happened if we had not have moved out of 9061 into this unit 18? And then 10 years ago, we pushed the button of faith again and we moved here into this 8,000 square foot building. And we've grown. We've seen people saved. We've taken on lots more missionaries. Now we have 100 missionaries that we're supporting. Praise the Lord. That's so exciting. And our Sunday morning crowd is starting to come back. And we're, we're starting to see the place fill up again. And the day is going to come where we're going to find that, hey, it's getting kind of tight here. And we're going to have to push the button of faith again. Now, as you all know, I've been praying about a building that is so far beyond what we could ever possibly hope to do humanly that it would have to be a miracle of God. If all of us got together all of our assets, we liquidated everything, we brought all the... Oops, first time I've done that. <laughs> Baptize the pulpit here. But if we liquidated everything we had, brought all the cash together, it still would not be enough to do what's required. And so I'm advocating that we go for a miracle of miracles. And we ask God to open the Red Sea. We ask God to uh, give us the promised land. We ask God to do something. You look back on our last 22 years and you can see the steps we've taken by faith. And we've had to push the button of faith more than once. And each time we've done it, we've done it by faith, but God is blessed. He has blessed abundantly. You know, I've been asking God to raise up a few more prayer warriors who are not afraid to go to God and to pray for a miracle of miracles like that 104 building up there. 
That would be an incredible miracle. God puts us into that. Boy, I think we're going to see a lot more people come to know the Lord, a lot more missionaries supported, many more Bible college students trained and taught, a Christian school, jobs for Christians, and so on and so forth. There's so many things that we can do. And it all gets back to faith. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, take a look at this with me, would you please? Hebrews chapter 11. We're told here that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that's interesting. Faith is not something that you see. It's invisible, and yet it has substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, when you get to heaven, you're not going to need faith. Did you know that? Right now you need faith. But when you get to heaven, you're not going to need faith at all. Because everything's going to be plain and evident right there. There's going to be the Lord Jesus. There's going to be the Heavenly Father. Somehow we'll understand the Holy Spirit. (laughs) There's going to be God's people. There's going to be the streets of gold and so on. And when the Lord Jesus comes back to earth to rule over this world, and he will, there's the Lord. He tells us to go, we go. He tells us to come, we come. I mean, you don't need faith when... When you have the, everything right there. But we need faith now. Faith is the substance. The word substance talks about something that holds up. It's a substance. It's, it's like a, a floor being held up, if you will. There's some substance there. Something you can stand upon. Something you can put your feet on and your weight upon. It's not going to give way. It's the substance of things hoped for. We don't have them yet. They're hoped for. We're asking God to allow us to see every Sunday someone get saved. Every Sunday. Is God not able? Of course he's able. He's able to do that and so much more. And we're standing upon his promises that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're standing upon his promise in Matthew 16, 18, where God the Father, through the Lord Jesus, told us, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those are good promises. And we're standing upon those promises. Faith in those promises. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence Of things not seen. We don't see it yet. When we see it. We'll have uh, received it. And you don't need faith anymore. When you're praying for something. For a a sunny day. Or you're praying for uh, safety and travel or something. When those things occur. Then you've received what it is you're praying for. But until then. We use faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And this is how God's people are supposed to operate. We're not supposed to be living by sight. That's what the world does. The world looks at its dollars and cents and it looks at its its, uh, human uh, abilities and says, well, we can do this much. Sadly, so many of us Christians do that. Case in point would be that 104 building. Well, how much can you give? How much can you give? Let's get it all together. Hmm, well, we, we only have this much money. And uh, do we have any tradesmen? Well, we have these fellows here that can do some work. And so that's all we have. And so let's look for something that'll fit into our budget. And that's, that's a human way of thinking. When it comes to God's work, that's a human way. If they use that mindset when 
God's people were still in Egypt, they'd still be in Egypt today. And God brought them out of Egypt and get, brought them into the wilderness. And if they'd used that mindset, they would never have gone into the promised land. And may I remind you, they did send 12 spies in. And 10 of those 12 used that mindset. They came back and they says, oh yeah, folks, it is a land that flows with milk and honey. No question. Boy, that 104 building, it's as sweet as can be. But there are giants in the land. Oh, the price tag. We are just grasshoppers in the sight of those giants. They want to eat us up and maybe spit us out. It'll never happen, folks. That's the report that 10 of the 12 spies gave to the children of Israel. And it turned their hearts. And they all said, oh, woe is us. We're going to die. We're going to perish. Oh, why did God ever bring us out of Egypt? And God was ready to destroy them. In fact, he said, okay, that's it. All of you 20 years of age and upwards, you're going to die in the wilderness. And that's exactly what happened. And all of their children from 19 years and 364 days, you know, one day shy of 20 years, all of those young ones would grow up and they would be the ones that would go into the 104, I mean, into the promised land. But it's that mindset of what can I do? What can you do? What can she do? What can he do? Let's get it all together. This is what we can do. God's not interested in that. God's interested in what he can do. What he can do through us. That's the key. What can God do? What kind of miracle could God do when it comes to a building like the 104 building? What could God do? God, if you could have your way, what would you like to do? God wants to get a hold of the attention of this city of Surrey. That building is going to do it because the whole city knows about that crazy building up there. For 25 years, it sat there empty. Everyone's saying, why is it empty? Why doesn't it get rented out? And there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. Listen, don't follow conspiracy theories, okay? Don't follow that stuff. Some people are saying, oh, it's full of ghosts, you know, spooky spirits. That's why, you know, it, it doesn't rent out. Others say, oh, there's been organized crime, organized killings. You know, there's maybe, maybe Jimmy Hoffa's buried uh, under there, if you've ever heard of Jimmy Hoffa. Or maybe they, they've buried some people under the... Don't listen to that crazy nonsense. That is not true, not true. Um, the, the truth is, God has got his hand on that building. That building belongs to God. His hand has been upon it. He's not let it come to market. Say, why? Well, I can give you a suggestion. Because God wants to show himself strong. That's only a suggestion. But I think that's the correct one. Anyhow, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But please look here at verse number two. We're talking about faith. For by it, by what? By faith. The elders obtained a good report. These are the the ones who've gone on before us, who've been strong in the faith, who followed the Lord, we'll call them the, the fathers of the faith, something like that, faith of our fathers. And these uh, tremendous um, believers, both men and women, have done some great exploits for God, and they've done it by faith. Now, interesting that it says, for by it, for by faith. There's two words I'd like you to notice here, uh, by and through. You'll see um, verse 2, it says by it, meaning by faith. In verse 3, you've got through faith. In verse 4, by faith. Verse 5, by faith. And uh, let's see, 
we can find you another example of through. Maybe you'll, oh yeah, there in verse 11, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. So what's the difference between through faith and by faith? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that uh, through faith is meaning just that. It's like running through something. It, it takes time. There's a time element. Whereas by faith, it's a much, much shorter time element. By faith, we leaped over a wall. Well, that didn't take very long. And we used faith to do it. Through faith, we went through a, a tunnel. We did something that took long. In verse 11, there's Sarah through faith. She received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child. Well, there's nine months. She did that through faith. Um, verse for by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was a much shorter period of time. So the Bible makes no mistakes here. And it's telling us that by means of or through means of faith, these men and women did some amazing things for God. You know what they did? They pushed the button of faith is what they did. These were just ordinary people, flesh and blood. You break their bones you can cut them, they bleed. They're ordinary men and women. Uh, so then what's, what's different? It's, it's not them, it's God. That's the difference. Their belief in God. Many people who are born again, saved on their way to heaven, have a small faith in God. They had just enough faith to get saved, but not much faith for anything else. To serve God, live for God, take God at his word, not much faith. Whereas others who are born again and saved, they've exercised more faith in what God says. And their attitude is, well, if God said it, then I just believe it. That's the end of the matter. I believe what God says. Oh, yes, but Dr. So-and-so doesn't believe it. I don't care what Dr. So-and-so believes or doesn't believe. Oh, well, uh, 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 professor so-and-so here and all of his uh, theological, I'm sorry, all of his, uh, his degrees, he says something else. Let him, so what? This is what God says and I believe it. That is faith. And that's all that these men and women did. That's what they used. They used faith. And so, of course, we have in verse number four, we've got this incredible example of Abel, Offering a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You know, that's still true today. There are, there are uh, sacrifices that are much better than other sacrifices. I'm not talking about blood sacrifices. I'm talking about gifts to God and service for God. Sacrificial ways that we can serve God. And there are some that are just way better. Well, what makes them way better? Because they're done by faith. That's what makes them better. The Lord Jesus gave the example. He called the attention of the disciples to a, a little lady who put in two tiny coins into the treasury in the light of these other big rich men putting in handfuls. And Jesus pointed her out and said, she has given more than the others. How is that possible? She only put in two tiny coins because she gave all she had. She did that by faith. That's what honors God. That's what God gets excited about is faith. Faith. That's what God likes to see 
is faith in him, faith in his word and what he's had to say. Verses 5 and 6, we've got Enoch. Enoch was a fellow who didn't seem to know the Lord until after he had his first kid. And then there was something about being a father that directed his attention toward God. And he started walking with God. It says here, he was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You see that? He pleased God. He did it by faith. And verse 6 is a famous verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please God with what you think should be done, with what I think should be done. What pleases God is what God says what he wants to do. And we just believe him. All right, Lord, we believe you. We'll trust you. We'll believe you. When we moved out of the house and into the Bear Creek Park Pavilion, we did that by faith. Because we knew we couldn't reach as many people with the gospel and with ministries in our home as we could at the Bear Creek Park Pavilion. We knew that hardly anyone is going to come into our home, but a lot more people would come into the Bear Creek Park Pavilion. So that's what we did. We pushed the button of faith. And then when the right time came, we pushed the button of faith again and we moved into a a larger place. It was going to cost us so much more, way more. Where are we going to get the money? We followed God. We pushed the button of faith. The money came. Then we moved from there to this place over here. And again, the rent went way up. How are we going to do that? Where are we going to get the money? We're going to follow the Lord and the Lord will provide. And that's exactly what God did. We pushed the button of faith and moved over there. And we grew and the money came in. And then time to move again. Where are we going to go? We noticed this place was empty. And the rent was way up. Where are we going to get that? Well, not sure, but God will provide. (laughs) God provided. We rent out half the building throughout the week to the daycare. And that helps us to pay the rent. And God has blessed us with extra. So that we're starting to build up now, uh, well, a chunk of money. What are we going to do with that? I think we're going to need that for renovations when we move into the 104 building. You see, we push the button of faith and we trust God. And then we say, wow. Now, in hindsight, it's always easier. We've been in this building now for 10 years. Pay the rent, no problem. We need something, no problem. Fill up the building, no problem. But when we were back in the unit 18 looking ahead, how are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to fill up the building? You see? And before we were in Unit 18, we were in 9061. What? We're going to go from a 2,000 to a 4,000 square foot building? How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to fill up the building? And when we went from the Bear Creek Park to the 9061, we're going from a 1,200 square foot building to a 2,000 square foot building. How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to fill up the building? Hindsight. It's always good in hindsight, isn't it? So now we're looking forward. The 104 building. How are we going to pay the utilities? How are we going to fill up the building? <laughs> the same way we did here, and the same way we did there, and the same way we did down there, and the same way we did there. And You get the idea? It's all the same. It's all by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's the bottom line. Look at the rest of it. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means pray and don't give up. That means start praying, Lord, that 104 building, there's no way we could afford it. But God, that's exactly why you ought to do it. Father, that 104 building, the whole city will sit up and take notice. And this is why you should do it, Lord. You've given us this city. You've put us in a city of 650,000. Lord, we need bigger tools to reach a bigger city. That building is a bigger tool. Lord, you need to do this to bring yourself honor and glory. We, that's how we need to pray. We need to go to God in, in spite of the fact of, you know, big dollar signs. Forget the dollar signs. God is bigger than the dollar signs. You know, when they, the 12 spies went into the promised land and they came back and 10 of them says, ah, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. We don't have a big enough army, blah, blah, blah. We can't afford it. And two of them, you remember those two guys? Who were they? Starts with a J, Joshua, and starts with a C, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb. And these two fellows were the only two that said, whoa, whoa, time out. Hey, our God is bigger than them. Our God is greater. God has told us his favor is upon us. God be with us. Who can be against us? Says God. But they were drowned out, weren't they? And the children of Israel voted them down, says, no, no. And so they ended up staying 40 years in the wilderness. Who wants that? Who wants to stay in the wilderness when you can get into the promised land? How are we going to get in? By faith. By faith. You have here the story of verse 7, Noah. By faith, Noah, warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Woo! Noah was a great man. Great. How did, how did he become great? By faith. Noah was just another guy. That's all he was. A married man with three boys that had wives. There was eight of them all together. I mean, he loved the Lord. Are you here tonight? Do you love the Lord? Noah loved the Lord. And God spoke to him. Said, I want you to do something. I want you to do something for me. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. As big as the 104 building. You're going to build it. What? Yeah, you're going to build this big boat. I want it this big by this big by this big. I'm going to bring all you know, kinds of animals and so on. 120 years Noah was in building that. But he's, I'm sure he's so glad he did. All during that time, he was preaching to people and telling them water is going to come from the sky. It's going to drown everyone. They laughed him to scorn. Finally happened. By the way, we're living, I think, on a precipice in the world today. The judgment of God is soon to fall, I think, on the whole world. My opinion only, maybe, but I think the coming of the Lord Jesus is close. Very close. We should not put our feet up and say, oh, well, he's coming. Let's just do nothing. No, 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 no. Now is the time to pull out the stops. Now is the time to, to say, okay, we don't have much time. Let's do what we can. Let's get great things done for God. And Noah was a, a great man. Look at verse 8. We won't read it all, but verses 8 to 19, we have Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive, that's the promised land, for an inheritance, he obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. Now, there's, that's crazy, isn't it? Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. <laughs> that is neighbors and friends saying, oh, Abraham, we're going to miss you. So where are you going? 
Tell you what, after I find out, I'll let you know. Now, you'd look at someone and shake your head. You'd say, that's crazy. And yet that's exactly what God called Abraham to do. And he did it by faith. Faith that God was calling him, that God wasn't making up games. God was real. And he wanted to follow God. And I hope that's what you want tonight, to follow God with all your heart. That's the best journey for a born-again man or woman. I'm suggesting to you that there are incredible things that have happened by faith. When a man or woman reaches out and pushes the button of faith. Now, what would happen if I were to push this button of faith? Well, in the last 22 years, our church has pushed that button a few times. It wasn't that many years ago when we started talking the possibility of supporting 100 missionaries. And I'm sure of it. Someone said, yeah, that'll be the day. Say, why would they say that? Because it's so normal, so natural. And yet the day has come. We are supporting more missionaries than churches that are 10 times as big as us. And I'm not saying this in some kind of comparison boastful way. I'm just saying, look what God can do. God can, can do greater things than that. If we will, by faith, invite him to. Hey, you know what? We could be supporting 200 missionaries. You say, well, what's, I don't get it. What's the big deal? You know, 50 missionaries, 100 missionaries, 200 missionaries. What's the big deal? Folks, the big deal is that these missionaries are taking the gospel, life-changing, salvation message of Jesus Christ around the world to places that we will never get to, ever. They're going. And they're going on our behalf. And this is how Grace Baptist Church is reaching the whole world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Impossible! <laughs> with man it is, not with God. God is doing that through us. I'm so happy with what God's doing, aren't you? I'm so excited. Boy, when we get to heaven, we're going to be so thrilled to meet people who are there because we supported the missionary who won them to Christ. They're going to shake our hand and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for sending that missionary. That's the big deal between 100 missionaries, 200 missionaries, 1,000 missionaries. The more missionaries we can get out there and support, the more people are going to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish. This is the great commission of the church. This is the game plan, the meat and potatoes of the church is to take the gospel into all the world so that people at least have an opportunity of not going to hell, but going to heaven. It's all done when Christians decide they're going to push the button of faith. Now, what would happen if more lost people would reach out and push the button of faith and believe what God has said, that they, them, they are on their way to a Christless eternity. They are on their way to hell forever and ever. But God came in the flesh, died for their sins, dead, buried, and rose again the third day. He's alive, hallelujah, and he's knocking on their heart's door. And if they were to reach out by faith, 
push the button of faith or open the door of their heart, so to speak. What would happen if more lost people were to do that? Why, we would see incredible revival around the world, wouldn't we? There'd be more of heaven on earth. There'd be less desire for war and greed and frustration. Boy, there would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? On earth, wouldn't it? And what would happen if more of God's people would get involved with tithing and with faith promise? What would happen? What would be the result if they reached out and pushed that button of faith? Well, that means that the church, churches, could do far, far more for God than ever before. We could really have an impact in our city, our country, and around the world. You know, right now, as a whole, Christians are giving such a small, like, I mean like pennies. They're giving something like 1.2 cents, something like that on the dollar. They're not giving 10% anywhere near it. Worldwide statistics. Christians are, are not pushing the, the button of faith. What if more Christians were to do that? What would happen? What would be the result? There'd be far more things happen for God than ever we ever dreamt possible. Oh, I'm telling you. There's a few buttons out there, you know. And if Christians would, by faith, reach out and start pushing more of these buttons, greater things are going to happen. Here in our little church, we've got a few buttons that can be pushed. One of them is our outreach. With COVID, we're not ready yet to go back to doing door knocking and inviting people to come to church. But we are putting gospel invitations in mailboxes. You don't talk to anyone, you just put in the mailbox, you go to the next door, put one in the mailbox, go to the next door, put one in the mailbox. And we do that once a week. People take 50 and they put them in 50 mailboxes. Right now, we're just shy of 18,000 that we've put in the mailboxes. Now, out of those 18,000, I'm sure that a bunch of them are just taken and thrown right in the trash. It probably happens. Too bad for them on the day of judgment, right? When they stand before Jesus Christ and he's judging them for their sin in life and he points out to them, you know something, sir, ma'am? I had one of my soul winners come by and put the gospel in your mailbox. Now watch what you did with it. And he plays it on a big screen as they grab that thing and crumple it and throw it in the trash. They're screaming, oh, what did I do? What did I do? I must have been out of my mind. Lord, forgive me. Too late. Too late. You know, there is a cutoff point. You know that. There's no second chance after people die. They're not going to come back and get another second chance to get saved. This is it this life. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. No one's coming back. Reincarnation is a myth. It does not exist regardless of what any religion says. When a person dies, that's it. And by the way, when you're watching YouTube, don't you believe these people who say they've died and they've gone to heaven for 11 hours, 11 days, 11 minutes, 11 months, whatever. And they've come back and they have all these different things they tell you. Because their stories don't match up. And some of them are now coming out of the woodwork and telling you that they lied. That they, they did it for the money. Some of them are coming clean. Don't believe it. Don't believe these people. Don't pay them any attention. Don't take the time to watch them. It's all 
made up. It's, it's not real. The gospel is so critical, isn't it? Any Christian could push a button of faith and get involved with that. Well, I guess we need to bring things to an end here. Our time is up. But what would happen if you were to push that button? Maybe you're here tonight or watching online. You've never been born again. You've never admitted to God your sinfulness. You've never told God you're sorry for your sin. You've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can do that. You have that opportunity to do that, even right now, in your heart. We're going to have a word of prayer. And maybe you are born again. You're saved. Can I encourage you, please, to reach out and push the button of faith? Maybe God has been talking to you about something he'd like you to do. Maybe you used to have a ministry and then COVID hit and things went kablooey. Well, COVID's not hitting as much anymore. You can get back on that bandwagon. Please put your premium on God, even if it costs you time or gas money. Boy, the price of gas is going up, isn't it? Or if it, if it costs you talents or sweat or something, serve the Lord. You'll be so happy you did. Let's pray now. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.